Welcome to the First Youth Podcast. My name is Kyle Hand, and I hope this episode helps you parent better than ever. I know for our family, my wife and I, Shauna, have been asking, what do we do about school? Not only because current circumstances are unclear, but because we want to raise children who love God and are growing as followers of Jesus. So I'm excited to bring you a conversation I had with R.B. Prey, who has a few kids of his own and has been a leader in our first kids' ministries for the past few years. He's put in lots of time and thought as raising his kids as followers of Jesus with his wife, Julia. And so without any further introduction, here's the conversation we had on schooling, the times, and being a parent. What's going on? Um, not a whole lot. No. Yellow phase, which hasn't changed much, except I had people in my house today. There you go. Interpret the times for us, man. What's going on in the world? Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff, a lot of uncertainty. Um, and I'm sure the, the people who are always watching God's clock are thinking, man, this has got to be, we got to be getting close. Are you watching God's clock? Is that you? I, that's not me. No? No. Um, because I feel as if, I mean, I take the Bible literally, so it says we're not going to know the time mm-hmm. or the place. Mm-hmm. It He's going to come like a thief in the night. Mm-hmm. And he, I wouldn't think, in my mind, I wouldn't think that he would come when all this is going on, because everybody <laughs> expects it, I guess. <laughs> I don't uh, know. That sounds kind of cr- silly, but no, I've I've often thought that. I keep thinking when we most expect it, that's not a thief in the night. No. A thief comes when you're not expecting you're not it. Expecting. They wait till you're lulled into safety, and then he comes. Yep. So if we're if we're using that interpretation, if that's correct, you know, then yeah, right now would be the anti time mm-hmm. to do it. So yeah. maybe the more we anticipate it, the farther we push it off. Yeah. I do think that these times are a good, fertile time to talk about the Lord with those who don't know Him. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's so easy, and in, in, in today's sermon, Chris used... Um, Romans 12, mm. and it was, it's it's all about loving genuinely, and you can't go wrong with that. No. You might be rejected, but remember, the Bible says that we're not being rejected. Right. So when I talk about the Lord and the love of the Lord to my coworkers, you know, they might mock me, they might... But it, it's not a rejection of me. Yeah. Those aren't my ideas. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. They're, they're not. You can't offend me. I didn't come up with these ideas. I'm just communicating the truth to you. Right. Here's what it says. Here's what I believe. Here's what it means to you. Yeah. So I, I just think it's a great time to talk about the Lord. Now, I've been working this whole time, too. So I took mm. one week off. My company closed down for a week. And... Um, so a lot hasn't changed for us. You hmm. know, I, my family homeschools and my wife homeschools. So my kids didn't notice, you know, they miss church. They miss going to do sports things and playing with friends. Yeah. But our lives haven't changed a lot. So the one thing that has changed is the, the topic of conversation at where I work hmm. and, you know, the, 
are more guys way more open to it? Like when you bring it up, they got to know RB is going to start bringing this stuff up. They're okay with it. Yeah. So I would say I'm fairly new at this job. So my first six months at this job Mm -hmm. were pre-COVID, pre-George Floyd situation. So they, they enjoyed hearing my perspective on things. Now I've kind of worn thin on them, I think. Um, I think my personality does that more than the subject matter. <laughs> um, Could be the NFL. <laughs> okay. Right. Thanks, Arby. That's yeah. good. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes up, I, I'm, they know I'm going to talk about it. And yeah. I try not to talk about it in a you know, beating over your head kind of manner, but I do just try to, it's part of my life, my my walk with the Lord Mm -hmm. is it's who I am through and through. And so it doesn't change just because the people I'm talking to don't believe it Mm -hmm. or think I'm silly. My, my direct boss, he's a great guy and I, and I love him and enjoy him very much so, but he calls Jesus my imaginary friend. So (laughs) I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's, that's the, um, and that's the, the, the softest, most gentlest, view of my faith at my work it's a it's it's a fun place to work it's insane <laughs> it really is you're ima- you and your imaginary friend over there mm-hmm. he'll say can you put a, a word in for for me to the big guy that's pretty common mm-hmm. the big guy yeah yeah i have a direct access to him so why not yeah sure <laughs> i don't know how far it's gonna get you but <laughs> absolutely man yeah so mm. i I've, I've i've been trying to stay pretty no, I'm going to take that back. I won't edit that out later. I have not tried to stay quiet about anything. Um, but I believe in staying in my lane because my livelihood and profession is closely tied to everybody's uh, foundational beliefs, right? So I cha- so when we talk about them, and if people disagree, it challenges foundational thoughts and beliefs and convictions they have. So I'm not trying to stay quiet in it, but I know I'm trying to stay in my lane. Like, I don't have the right political answers, yep. right? Yep. So the human condition and stuff I can talk about, but I know I've tried to lean a- away from, well, here's the three policies we should make. Mm-hmm. I don't I've never been in litigation. I can't tell you what's enforceable and what's the best move. So I'm j- I've kind of leaned out of that conversation and leaned more in towards the audience that I have in there and yeah. what they're going through. Yeah. And and that I think that's wise. Um and I don't try to I certainly don't try to force an opinion yeah. of, of my own on people, but it comes up naturally and um you know that this whole situation with what happened to that that man in in Minnesota with the um, with the police, I haven't spoken to anybody who mm-hmm. who is against his murder. Yeah, I mean, right. they're all. I guess I should say they're all. They all say he should not have been killed. Yep, he shouldn't have died, and he should not have died. Yeah, and though so we we agree on that, and then we you know it kind of morphs into this race yep. issue and and we talk about it and you know i again back to romans 12 it says love people genuine with a genuine love yeah. without hypocrisy yeah um the new king james says and that's that's huge and, and we kind of discussed it after um after that sermon today 
and we, I, I challenged them. I said, it's not, it's so important to love people genuinely and to love people as the Bible tells us to. You're mm. going to be rejected, but that's not on you. It's not on us. And I have never, and I told him, I've never once loved somebody genuinely yeah. and regretted it. Mm-hmm. They may not have accepted it at that point. Yep. But there have been times when a month later, two years later, 10 years later, somebody would say, you treated me with compassion mm. when you didn't have to. Mm. And so it sticks. Yeah. A genuine love will stick. Mm-hmm. It's got meat on the bones, if you will. Well, yeah, and you can lose sleep over somebody's reaction. You can sleep, lose sleep over um, you where you hope they'll be and stuff. And after you say that, oh, I hope they understand. But at least you're not losing sleep over. Um, I said the wrong thing, and I wish I could take that back. Right. That'd be that'd be uh, that'd be worse. Yep. Hmm. All right. Tell me about this right now. You guys, not much has changed because you're a homeschooled family. You guys have been homeschooling and such. Could you do a big old context here? Because most of this stuff goes out to parents. People who listen to the podcast, people who listen to this kind of stuff, goes out to parents. Okay. Long form conversation. Do this for me because I'd love to ask you your a lot of today's. And I'm this isn't a coronavirus podcast. This is you know first youth and stuff. But inside of this context, it's great to begin to talk about these things because I was listening to alarming stats where sixty percent of people in this one poll were considering alternate educational options. Mm-hmm. So um, now I, again, that's not to say that everybody's going to jump and you know say okay, we're pulling our kids out of school and there will be forty percent of kids in school. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying because I think a lot of people are you know you get nervous I and think you talk. The school to districts would love to have. 60% less right <laughs> yeah. now. Teachers would probably yeah. be uh, in love with that. Board but, of uh, Health and all that. Yeah, yeah but, there, but there are definitely, you know, people are considering things. So I would love to hear your take from the outside because it's not like you're going back next year from what I understand. Okay. Um, because you weren't there last year. It's not like going back. Mm-hmm. What What was your experience? If we lead up to that, let's go back. What was your experience with school growing up? What was your wife's experience with school growing up? What school did you go to? Um, how did your parents make that decision, or did they not make that decision? Do that first. Give us context of your education sure. and history. I grew up in New England, just outside of Boston, and um, I went to a little high school um, in this little town called Situate. Um, Situate is often on the news uh, when there's a big storm that comes through, the Weather Channel always goes up there and films in Situate Harbor or something. Huh. Situate Haba. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't have much of a I Boston don't have accent. an accent, no. Did you work on that? No. Um, I was born in the Midwest, Uh-oh. and by the time I was seven, we moved to Boston. So Uh-oh. it wasn't like... It was set. It was set, which I'm so thankful for. <laughs> I think that accent sounds... No offense to my Bostonian New Englanders. So I went to public school. Um, it was never a question. My mom, I don't even know if she, if we knew any homeschool okay. kids. Hmm. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom was a Christian. My dad um, was, I would say, a nominal Christian. He became a Christian um, about six months before he passed away. Okay. Um, and um, but he was. I would always say this about my dad. He was the most Christian, non-Christian man I ever knew. And so when he hmm. became a a Christian, a real Christian. Yeah. It all the pieces fit mm. together for him. Mm. It was really cool. Um, so yeah, for me, I public school the whole way. Yeah. Um, I came to a real knowledge of the Lord, a real faith in Him and Jesus Christ 
uh, my junior year okay. in high school. Okay. And uh, so, and then my wife, um, she grew up here in this area in, in uh, uh, Bucks County, went to Penridge, and at, I'm positive it was never an option or never even mm. thought of to do anything home, else. Homeschooling. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So, um, which brings us to where we are now. And you made it. You know, I've told people that before, like, oh, you went to Penridge. I said, yep, through kindergarten through 12th grade, I went to Penridge all the way from, I was in uh, Bedminster and then Siler and then Central. And then the, we had the freshman center and then high school and the whole thing, lower and the upper, the whole thing. And they said, and you made it. I, I, I think there's a lot of people that assume that there's public schools like, well, that's probably going to ruin your faith on yeah. some level. Yeah. I, I always felt like it made me stronger. Well, you said that to me years ago, a couple yeah. years ago. Um. Yeah, I, I I distinctly remember yeah. us having this conversation, a real dialogue. I think right after we had started homeschooling, right. Um, about y- you voiced a concern that we we have the potential of creating kids that live in a bubble. Yeah, yeah. And I do not did not want that for my kids right and uh, so we often think um we we take homeschooling year by year yep we really do and so um and that's kid by kid too so Mm. we don't love the idea of sending one to a different school and homeschooling the other three or whatever but it's not off the table again we take it year by year right so um but julia said to me now this goes back probably three or four years ago. Now okay. we've only been homeschooling for two full years. Wow. Okay. I thought I didn't know it was that recent. Yeah. Um, she said to me. She said, "My wife, uh, Julia." She said to me, "I didn't become a mom to send him away to school for eight and a half, nine hours a day." Hmm. And that really hit home to, to you. Me. Yep. Yeah. It really did, and I. It just made sense to me. Mm. So I prayed. I prayed about it, prayed that sentence often for her and Mm. with her. And it became a very easy decision for us um, as time went on. Now, Mm. we had some really, we have some really great um, friends who have been homeschooling for much longer than we have. And so the community support was was huge for Mm. for Julia. But um, yeah. So that's that's kind of how we got into it, and and she loves it most days. Mm. I love who my kids have become as a result of it. What did you see before that's different now, or how did you how did they transition? What do you mean that you saw what you saw in them you liked? Um, I mean, I just think that from an education standpoint, which I really cannot speak to, yeah, very well, but I they're obviously picking up things quicker than they did in school. Now okay. we sent our kids to Plumstead Christian School. Uh, we pulled them for a number of reasons. The main reason was Julia just wanted to be with her kids a little yeah. bit more. Another reason, financial. It was just expensive, mm-hmm. this and that. But um, you didn't jump the public school. Plumstead, no. homeschool, you didn't go Plumstead. No. Eh, we'll send them to public school now because it's expensive to send them to private. No, yeah, we had just thought about. And so it, it, financial, financially, it was, it was a part of the the piece of the puzzle, but it wasn't all of it because – we, uh, we have four kids, so we just saw two more kids mm-hmm. having to be in, enrolled in a in a private Christian school. Mm. And that's kind of where the, the bubble that you had kind of talked about w- was starting to weigh on our hearts. Like, yeah. 
we're I don't want to create like a middle class a white middle class American Christian. Yep. I'm I've been around enough of those to to know that I don't love being around hmm. um often. So um yeah, so that's when uh, that's when we made the jump to go to to hmm. homeschool and and educationally I think there's so much more um taught in a in in a homeschool day than than in a public school or private school setting, just because there's not a lot of kids there, so hmm. the, you get more done in less time. Yeah. Um, and I've, and you know, Asher, Asher, um, he's my oldest. He has just biblically, he just knows the word hmm. more and more. Um, is that does, in your, is that in your curriculum Bible? You're going to go through Bible history, yeah, they Bible do like courses. A, yep. Yep. Hmm. Um, and he doesn't always live it out. Hannah doesn't always live it out. Um, and that's you know that's. Part of the well, that's what you lost in public or Christian school. Right, when you go to a private Christian school. All the kids live it out all they day. They live long. it out all the time. Yeah, so. so they they get classes and then they're pretty much perfect. It's it's building blocks. You know, they're holy and then it they're is. holy the rest of the day. Yeah, so hol- and then holier and then holiest. And, and then and then you know they don't lie because they go over honesty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. It is terrible. No, so, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've just I've noticed a change in their. Um, in the way they, for the most part, in the way they treat each other. Yeah. Um, not every day is is a good day at home. Mm. School is... I think a lot of people would be very empathetic towards that right now. Yeah. That maybe they never would have before. Yeah. yeah. Families all over are having good days and they're having really tough days. Really tough and days. And you might get a string of three or four or five or six really tough days. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're not yeah, the we only have one. noticed that with our kids that when they have a rough day, it's not normally just a day. It's nope. a couple couple days, couple three or four days and and that's just hard. And I you know, I go to work nine hours a day, you know, sometimes yep. more. And so I miss all of it. And when mm-hmm. I get home, all of them, mm-hmm. my wife included, can't wait for me to get home. <laughs> so I, I like that part of homeschooling too. <laughs> Um, Come in so, and be the peacemaker. Yeah, well, I try to, or just you know, take <laughs> take him out of the house, or yeah. You know. What was the one I was listening to? It was a comedian, and he said, "You notice how parents never say, you just wait till your mother gets home, because every kid on earth would love that.' Yeah, right. oh, a rational human that speaks without emotion and <laughs> would fight for my good. I have, uh, when's that going to happen? When's she getting here? Could you, w- could you give me a time? Because I'd love to sit my counter. You wait till your father gets home. Oh no, I'm gonna get whooped. I'm gonna get yelled at. I'm gonna yeah. irrationally get decided upon. No, thank you. Yeah, that's so funny. No. I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah we found that they do string together, and and you find yourself saying, "What is happening? It's been like three days." Because yeah. the first day you don't notice. It's just, uh, and then the second day you're wearing out, and then the right. third day it's like breaking point. Right. What's going on? Uh, we've been going to bed at ten o'clock for three nights in a row. That's yeah. probably not good. Yep. So this whole thing's heightened. No structure and sure. Yeah. Yeah, and we and again, like I said, not a lot has changed. So the structure part of things hasn't really changed. They still, um, they still do school um, a little bit less now. They they finished, but you know we we have a pretty we we stick to a pretty good regiment at home, and the kids tend to stick on that pretty good and mm. and when we get off they get off and it's not fun for anybody you yeah. know um but yeah it's it's been a um it's been an interesting an interesting spring because we see all our friends who are struggling with being yep um being home 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 all with, the time with nobody yeah. else around yeah okay so help me be balanced here because if we just uh talk about how great homeschooling is not that I'm saying speak poorly about it. 
Um, but it all sound like this is like the advocate for first youth to get all the teens and families to go homeschooling. And we're certainly not trying to do that. I just, it, like I had said that to you years ago, like, oh, you're going to create these bubble kids and, you know, you're not going to have strong in the faith, which isn't true. But there's probably a lot of people that may have never vocalized that with anybody else and thought homeschool kids are weird and unsocialized and, and uh, their faith is untested. So let me ask it this way. Do you notice things that they're... Um, like, do this. What are you glad that your kids are missing from from not going to school, like going to high school and middle school and stuff? They're yeah. missing this aspect of public school, and I'm so thankful they don't have to deal with it. Yeah, so um, we have some friends um, who send all three of their kids awesome, well-rounded kids yeah. to public school, and I look up to them. Mm-hmm. As parents, as a family, mm-hmm. um, I, um, they're just they're a great family. Yeah. And um, they, two of their children are in high school, and um, they basically said they don't use the the bathroom because of what goes on in the bathroom. Hmm. And um, we didn't get into it a ton. Like I, in my mind, I wanted to ask, well, what really goes yeah, on? What's in happening? Like I thought people Fight just went or... to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's drugs and and hmm. whatnot, and I. Just am thankful mm. that my kids aren't in that. I just can't, because I think back when I was a kid, mm-hmm. if I walked into something like that, mm-hmm. I might not participate in it, but I might not condone it either. Like I yeah. might, you know, I'm, I, I, I just don't know right. wh- what my children would do in that situation. And the other side of that argument is, well, put them in it. Right. Find Get out. some teeth. Get some teeth in their faith and yep. learn to deal with these things. Yep. You know, back to loving genuinely. Well, have them love those yeah. people who are doing wrong things yep. in a genuine way. You know, and so, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth, but that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. I don't. Um, the I was never when I was a in high school and junior high. I was never a partier. I never went to parties I shouldn't be going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't miss, you know, that side of things. Now mm. these, like I said, these kids that I'm speaking of, they yeah. are well-rounded. Yeah, walking their faith out. I went to public school, K through twelve. I can tell you smell a little bit. Yeah, I act a little weird. Um, I smell a little bit. You got a, you got a worldly scent on yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, I, to to me, I, I told Sean of this at one point. You could put a million dollars on the table. If I was in eleventh grade, I don't think I could have found drugs if I tried. A million dollars, Kyle, if you find isn't, drugs. Isn't that interesting? I, I promise you I couldn't have found it. I'm sitting here thinking in my head, even the people who I think may have had them were probably just like, dude, I just like drawing cartoons. I'm not a druggie. And I would have <laughs> offended everybody. <laughs> and, and it would have been found out. There's no chance I was finding drugs. I promise you in college I wouldn't have had a good chance. And I, I lived right next to a major city in Scranton. That probably would have been worse. I would have no chance. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. It just wasn't in me. But I can tell you from my perspective, the things that I I won't miss uh, being absent from the kids' life if they weren't in public school, the things that I the things that I don't miss about public school um, are the extra the extra social things that just don't. Yeah, I don't even know how to really parse them out. I, right now, it's. Right now, it's all very present on social media. Like the, what you, what you wear when you go to school, you have to wear certain types of clothes to be accepted by a whole bunch of people. 
what does that have to do with knowing your great, knowing how to do math and and learning to speak English and and write mm-hmm. and social studies, those kinds of things? Like you're there to learn. Yeah. Well, that's ten percent of it. Ninety percent of it is how to deal with people and yep. what to wear and, yep. and how to present yourself. So th- those are the kinds of things I, I I sit there and think, man, that that's the kind of stuff I wish I could have expunged from my my time there. Yeah. And again. There's certainly times the Lord helped me grow and develop and and mature through those things, but that doesn't mean I'd love to see my kids go through that or I'm going to love watching it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think also I I think you really have to it's a base it on each and every kid yeah. that you have. You now have four kids. Yeah. And you know your oldest she shares Jesus everybody. with everybody, and she doesn't even always have to open her mouth to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she just is loving. And that kid needs to be around people who don't know Jesus. Oh, yeah. She does. Yeah. Um, we have some sensitive ones in our family that probably don't thrive in that environment. Yeah. You know? Um we have always said, and I wanted to say this earlier, we have always said that we take it year by year, which means that for us, I think there's going to come a time mm-hmm. where we're going to send them to eighth grade right, or ninth grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason is we want to kind of prepare them yeah. spiritually. The educational piece, while Julia, does, my wife, does an awesome job, but yeah. like you said, it's not... It's it's people they they get it. Yep. They will get it. Yep. I want them to be prepared mm-hmm. to go into that situation, right? And be able to stand firm and say, "You can make fun of me all you want because I'm not wearing what you want me to wear." Right. I'm going to tell you why that doesn't matter to me. That that because my identity is in Christ. I think every parent would want that for their kids. Yes. Right. Yep. I don't think a single one would be like, no, nah, I, I, need, I need them to value what they wear a whole lot more than they do right now. Yep. A, yep. a three-year-old's a little different. Three-year-olds need to remember to put clothes on. They but. need to look cute because you'll never get babysitters if your kids don't. You know, <laughs> They're ratty cute. and dirty yeah, and right. smelly and yep. nasty. Yep. That's, no, they got to be fun to be around. Yeah. No, I think every parent would, would want that for their mm-hmm. for their kid to be able to root their identity and go, I, I don't really care. I, I wear this because I like it. It's comfortable. represents me. It's modest. And right. that's about it. I'm done. Right. Beyond that, there, I think that just this larger conversation is really building in the country, too, of not alternative education, but what best fits uh, the path for your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I posted something on Instagram a while ago um, with all the uh, colleges. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, all the colleges doing their commencement speeches, and Mike Rowe got on and said he had been asked by a few people he couldn't get there. And he said, so I'm going to give an unsolicited commencement address to everybody. Okay. And he really highlighted, he said, you know, I'm hearing all these celebrities get on and all these uh, politi- or, uh, public figures get on and say, as you go off to these prestigious universities, he goes, but I really haven't heard too many of them say, as you go off into these uh, technical training or as you go off into these jobs right out of high school, he goes, so I'm just going to approach you because you've been left out of the conversation a little bit. And he went on to encourage them and say, you know, you can have dreams, you can you can make a living, and you can enjoy your life without having to go get some sort of four-year or five-year degree mm-hmm. um, at a college. And then and what I loved about it was I thought, yeah, but, you know, some people do need a degree. If you're going into STEM, your wife's a nurse. She can't just 
hop on the bus. Hey, I'm going to do nursing now. It doesn't right. work like that. Right. Um, but he had said about like, you know, if you're a bricklayer, if you're a welder, if you own a garage, um, make sure you don't turn around and get upset or downplay the need for some people to go and get a degree, for some people to right. go and um, get those kinds of things. Yeah. But it's certainly not anymore. Like you must go to a four-year degree, get a four-year degree. That's no. changed dramatically. Yeah. And I've always said that if um, if my kids w- want to and God has called them, I think even more than them wanting to, if God has called them to go to school, you know, we're not, we don't have the financial resources to save for their college mm-hmm. funds. Yeah. Um, you know, just, we just don't. So yeah. we would really encourage them to try, you know, the community college, mm-hmm. um, anyone, which is so much cheaper. And mm. then, and then, and you kind of maybe would figure out what you want to do next kind of thing. Oof. And, and not just squander. Like I think, um, Mike Rowe, if, if I remember, um, him, he's the guy that's like, you don't have to go to college. Yeah. And, you know, and I think he's spoken to going to college for four years with a degree that will make you no money right. or, you know, there are no, very few jobs in that one. Yeah. So I think it's important to to take it kid by kid. You yep. know, I'm not. I think college is a great choice. Yeah. And like you said, many many kids need to go to school. Oh yeah. And do and do training. You yeah. don't want your airline pilots or I don't know. <laughs> you don't want your nurses to go to a you know a six month program and yep. call it good. You know. If they know you know essential oils, that's not enough. Okay, that's not enough. Essential oils won't teach you how to put an IV in an arm. That's so. probably true. <laughs> They actually, I'm going to be careful about that. They might be telling you, "Here's how to get oils in faster." You right. know, hopefully not. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not the case. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, what are you doing to actively keep your kids uh, up to date with the world and not um, completely mm-hmm. out of awares of it and and socialized and um, you know, humans. Yeah. So um, that's the one thing that the kids miss. They miss being at church, yeah. which is not you know of the world, but it, they get socialization. For they, sure. They miss their friends. So if you're listening um, and you send your kids to church, my kids miss your kids. There you go. Um, so they miss that part. Um, that was the first thing. I was so thankful that uh, my oldest said, he, um, like a week and a half into this, yeah. maybe two weeks, I said, well, what are you guys thinking? What do you miss? And he said, I miss church yeah. i miss my friends at church i miss you know the my teachers and mm-hmm. you know just because i love when the teachers pour into these kids and they yeah. have relationships with them and um yeah my my oldest he has a he's in the fourth and would would have been in the fourth and fifth grade class and that's a huge class for academy and, oh, yeah. and so um so yeah he misses them uh they all miss church they all miss being around their friends mm-hmm. um and then uh, we would have done we do intramural sports, yeah. So nothing on Sunday, typically. So um, they, um, my Hannah and Asher, the two oldest, mm-hmm. really miss playing soccer and playing baseball this spring. Right. You know, you just touched on something. I was I was meeting with uh, about six young adults, recent college graduates and recent high school graduates. That's about the scope of it. They graduated high school, they graduated college, and I said this on-site thing with church. And then this offsite thing with church, and I'm and I'm, you know, everybody in the country in the world is trying to parse that out. What does that mean? What yeah. what can we do? And um, it's funny that I can't help it, but you just mentioned that like, what your kids are missing is what they said, which is on site and together in physical uh, church together is relationship. 
they're totally missing that aspect of we get teaching, yep, online, that's great. Like you can give content, we have discussions, but what we're really missing is just being around other yep. people. Yep. And you can't replace that. No. Um, yeah, and I feel like, um, so that's, so back to the, those are the two main things that we do, but mm-hmm. we see, we're we very social. We, we host a small group, so we see, um, you know, uh, five families with, I think it's a total of like 20, no, it's like 31 people total with kids and whatnot. If the FBI is listening, we okay. can send you his address. If <laughs> you just email us. Every, uh, every two weeks. Um, and then we're very social. Yeah. Um, we see a lot of friends outside of that. Mm. Um, whether they come over, we go with them. Um, so that's what we do. Yeah, uh, this whole relational thing, like you said, the yeah. in-person stuff, I feel as if, and this is just an, un, an opinion, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people in the younger, young adult generations that don't have that deep desire to be with people, you know, a lot. And I feel as if this is just, you know, that they're just stepping backwards even more like in their cocoon or whatnot. And I I fear that for, for my kids. Now, my kids, we just had a bunch of people over today. We are now in the yellow stage. Praise the Lord. We had, um, yeah, this got published. Well, yeah. next few days, so we'll be okay. <laughs> we had a small group um, over our house to watch church this morning, and um, my son, Asher, who is uh, some context, he's 11, he said before the, the people even got in their cars on their mm-hmm. way out of our house today, he said, Dad, that was so much fun. There you go. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. And, um, yeah, right around this time... Um, Right around when all this hit, when we were forced to be at home, Julie and I had kind of made a um, a decision to be t- to get our oldest son Asher to be with more kids mm-hmm. his age, and just mm-hmm. to kind of push push him a little bit to be. And he loves it. It's just lazy parenting, probably more than anything. We're yeah. you know we're busy and and whatnot, but we wanted we were starting to set up some more play dates for him mm-hmm. and just to be with more kids. And then all this stuff hit. So, yep. we, you know, he has, uh, he really enjoyed today seeing some kids and run around the house and, yep. you Getting know, wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was good fun. Yeah. That's the kind of thing we're trying to do with Calvin is because he grows up with two sisters and a mom at home all the time. And George, as much of a boy man that he is, um, you know, doesn't provide a whole lot of opportunity <laughs> no. to get rough and tumble. And if I'm tired at the end of the day or if I'm out doing something late, he doesn't get it for a few days. It becomes very obvious as he's gotten older. That's something that that's that's something I've been reading. There's a book, Doctor Leonard Sachs, with why gender matters, and he talks about the differences between boys and girls, and it's it's enlightening. I would right. I would if I could buy a copy of that for every parent. He does some very low level psychiatry or psychology about you know wh- how your personality develops, but he does things like how the eye of a boy is a different from the eyes of a girl. Mm-hmm. Not not metaphorically, not biblically, spiritually. Um, goofy, like truly, literally, how your eye operates, which is different from a, a, a girl's eye at that age, which yeah. is fascinating. But for Calvin, yeah, we've we've been trying to do those things too now, so that there's little bumps in their personality that come from the closed culture of your family yep. can get you know sanded off when they go yeah, outside, and you and you end up finding yourself dealing dealing with them by not dealing with them, right? You know, whereas a friend of his age or another family that he might be eating dinner with would be like, oh, no, we don't do that in this house. Or, right. you know, somebody might say, oh, that's kind of odd. We wouldn't do that. And where you live with them full time, especially the last three months, you're oh. around them all the time. You just kind of like 
glaze over some things and <laughs> I find myself thinking, yep. what did I just allow <laughs> yeah. any one of the four, not just Ash, any sure. one of the four kids do? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you so. start picking, what do I have the energy for? Yeah, right. You start picking battles. And <laughs> so. as a parent, man, that's when you've lost the battle, when you start picking battles. <laughs> as the battles are mounting up, too. There's yeah. there's more than there have ever been. And you're going, well, they're not dying right now. And yeah. nobody's bleeding. Yeah. So even if it's horrible character, I, I gotta. it's 7 o'clock tonight, so i got to pick that one is not it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> the amount of battles that are mounting up yeah. right now are increasing. They are. Yeah, I think the church is the church as a whole trying to. Um, I think that's going to be a next stage challenge. I know for me, I'm getting. I feel more and more burdened by that. Is what can the church do in person that it should be doing in person? But when it can't be in person, there's 167 hours, right? Like yeah. you're with the church for an hour or two or three during the week. Um, what about all those other hours? And how does the church help parents not do more worksheets and more crafts with them, mm-hmm. um, but really enable and go, you know, you're the you're the head spiritual director and priest of your family. What's next for you? How do you h- how do you do those things at home? And so the church can take care of some things, and the church staff and leadership and programs can do one sort of thing, but the rest of the week, there's a whole lot of faith going on. There's there. a whole lot of time left to to you and. Um... Yeah, that's that's been a challenge to me over the last three months now. Um, is just to not be a lazy parent, mm. you know, to be intentional and, you know, gosh, we find ourselves correcting our kids like almost like what well, not almost behavior modification, which is just something I don't want to do. I yeah. want their heart to to modify their behavior, mm. and um, you know, you just get tired after a while. Yeah, you get you just get you grow tired of it. So. Well, and especially because heart modification a bit do the behavior is you know it's it's a lot of turns on the what do they call the clay thing that goes around as you make the pottery the potter's wheel whatever the potter's wheel it's like 30 revolutions on a potter's wheel just to make an issue go away so so do that one thing about the way she treats her brother whatever 30 times before it starts to move and you can't you don't just do it one time yeah which is why you know and, and this is part of an American cultural thing, which is why the church is important. Yeah. Because I need other parents to help pour into my kids. In fact, some of the best parenting can be done by another parent. Mm -hmm. I'm not leaving it up to them because it gets sharpened and refined at home. But I want them to see other godly dads pouring into their kids and showing affection to the wife. And, you know, we need we need that, yeah. and my son Asher has made that abundant, abundantly clear how much he misses that community. That felt, and he, you know, he just doesn't know the grown up word. Yep, eleven year old is just hanging out with his friend, but it's fellowship, and fellowship is is, is intentional, spiritual growing. You know, in relationship with others. I think the word I've been using is like confirmation, validation, like confirming validation, whatever. You say something to your kids, and they just think that's just dad. Just dad. And then another dad says it at another house, or a leader says it at another thing, and they go, oh, okay. It's not just my weird family. Right. That's a thing that everybody believes in. It doesn't lower. And I know I've probably spoken of it like that. I'm sure parents have spoken of it like that. What, if I say it, it doesn't matter? It matters. It just has to be stamped. Yep. It just gets it just gets stamped. It really does. And it's almost like that the um, the wax seal on it, yep. right? Like yep. it makes it official. Oh wow. I mean my dad's weird, but either their dad is weird or it's an actual <laughs> like you said, or it's an actual thing. If it's an actual thing, I can <laughs> I can submit to that. If it's just that thing dad yeah. says, 
we used to have a thing as like no socks. You wouldn't walk outside with socks on, ruin your socks. Right. My kids do it all the time. It's well, I, it's so annoying. Sorry. <laughs> it bugs you to death. Yeah. They let they end up outside and stuff and all that. But there's definitely times I walk outside with my socks on. That was for us <laughs> as a kids. It was like, no, do not walk outside with your socks on. And then to see other people walking outside with their socks on, you're like, that was just us. Yeah. And then as you get older, you're like, nope, that was just a dad thing. Because yeah. I, I take your shoe, take them off if yeah. you're gonna walk outside. You're gonna ruin them with poles in them. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah. It's not. It's beyond the specifics of parenting. There. Yep. Anything else you want to give the last word on? Anything that you're stewing on right now? With uh, church or parenting or uh, worship or uh, or the Bible, yeah, um, that's awfully broad, isn't it? Well, I don't know what's ruminating in your heart or what you got cooking. Yeah, it's like uh, an offering of the last word. I think okay. is what I'm trying to give you. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I do try to get the last word in most of the conversations. Well, now I'm conceding it. Okay, thank you for that, <laughs> Kyle. You seem to be a type of guy that likes the last word too, so. That's really hard not to take that bait. That's really impressive. Um, Yeah, I just think, um, you know, people keep talking about getting back to normal and stuff. Um, I just don't know. Hmm. Uh, My wife said something the other day about pre-9-11, now this dates me, Mm -hmm. um, but pre-9-11 and post-9-11, if you recall... We never got back to pre-9-11. It just never got there. Do you remember the shoe thing and how big of a deal the taking the shoes off at the airport was? That was enormous. And that was actually post-9-11. Remember the, the shoe bomber? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. We never went back. And I think one of the things that um, is interesting to me, and I just, I, I'm not a prog- not, uh, a prophet. I don't. Yeah, I have no clue what what tomorrow is going to look like. Yep. Except I, if, unless Jesus comes back, I'm going to work tomorrow. Um, that's the only thing on my calendar. <laughs> that's the only thing on anybody's calendar. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to work. Yep. And then I'm going to work yep. on my kids when I get home. Yep. <laughs> um, I just like shaking hands. Yeah. There will be a generation of kids of people that just will no longer shake hands. We we um. We bought a car uh, during this time, mm-hmm. and um, I so desperately wanted to shake the salesperson's hand, salesman's yeah. hand, after we were done. And I'm like, it. I still think about it. Like, how did I not shake this guy's hand? Because it, it's such a confirming. It is. It's like okay, it's, it's like a, a packed it's a done deal. Yep. You know. And in the Bible, remember they used to cut up an animal in half, and the two parties would make it, and they'd walk in between it. I kind of wanted to do that, but they wouldn't let me do that at the dealership, so I thought just shaking hands. No, but I think, you know, so to circle back to the church, I think yeah. um, we, I think church is going to look a little different from mm. here from here going forward. Mm. Um, and I do hope that we get back to being together and, yeah. um, and whatever that is going to look like. Um, but I do think that church is, is going to be a, a little different, and I think my my biggest fear is that I'm going to be nervous or upset about the changes that I like the mm. person that you know the what church is to me. But yeah, yeah. you know, I want to do what the Bible says. I want to do what God says yeah. for us to do as a church. And 
um, yeah, so it's just it's just interesting. I just wonder now that we're in the yellow phase because from what what was the stage we were in? Red. Was that Stay red? at home. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So not much is changing. Now, for us, we had some people over today, and we're starting to see a little bit more people. We saw mm-hmm. some grandparents and this and that, but, mm-hmm. like, I'm just wondering, you know, what for church and how that's going to look. What gets left behind. Even when we go to, yeah, even when we go to green, yeah. you know, like, are we going to... I don't know. People gonna wear masks? I guess people I probably no will wear masks. I don't even know. I don't know. Some what people the, might. I, I don't know. You know, I, I've spent a lot of mental energy, especially in the beginning stages of this thing, trying to guess what was coming yeah. and work out what was yeah. coming. Yeah. Right? You try yeah. to infer. Yeah. I try to look at counties and 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 how people are speaking about things and the temperature and Facebook comments. Like I just trying to like fashion what the future is going to be in my own mind. Yeah. Um, and every time something would change, like the first time was the um, when they extended the stay-at-home order. Mm. That, to me, was the first time it kind of like smashed whatever I had fashioned out of all the things that I had seen and gone. And I, I think I finally said to myself, okay, I, I, I give in, Lord. I remember just praying, like, whatever you think, whatever's going to happen, um, I'm just going to do what the what your son would do in this situation yeah. i'm gonna try to do that yeah because i because and and that was one of the first sermons i preached during this three months thing was nobody's calling kyle to say what should we do next like the cdc did not call me i don't mm-hmm. know if anybody was wondering but they did not call me and say what do you think would be best yeah and since i since i can't one make that decision or two influence it for the whole the really the only people that I'm going to influence and make a change on are my family yeah. and the people closest to yeah. me. So if I'm walking around grumpy trying to fashion a future in front of them or right. out of them, it, it, you know, I, I just don't see how it advances yeah. um, and the, and anything in us. And it's so interesting too that you that you say that because honestly, Kyle, I don't think anything has changed mm. on the calling with the calling on your life. Right. Nothing has changed right. with the calling on my life. The Bible is very clear mm-hmm. as to what is expected of, of us. And you could go through, there's probably, you know, a list of 150 things. Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, you know what? COVID-19 hasn't changed that at all. Right. You can still do that. Yeah. Whether it's influencing on social media, even emailing, or sending somebody a handwritten note. Yep. Because you can't see anybody. Now you can because you're in, in yellow. Yeah, yellow. But nothing has changed in, 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 in the call of God on your life. It hasn't. And that's the thing that like just is so exciting, mm-hmm. that we don't have to worry about, oh, man, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? How am I... It doesn't matter. Yeah. The Bible hasn't changed. The yeah. truth hasn't changed. The truth didn't automatically become something different. The right. truth has always been the same. Same yesterday, today, and yeah, there's no appendix in your Bible for COVID situations. There's not, which means you know even take COVID out of it. Yeah, you, you've gone through tough times in your life for sure. Where you know loss of relationship or whatever. The Bible didn't change for that, right? He didn't. The call on our lives has not changed mm. as a result of our circumstances. Our circumstances have changed, mm-hmm. but our response. Is is what the Bible has laid out. Yeah, yeah. It's what God has called us to do, and that's so important. And that's something, you know. As a dad, I'm just convicted to be a discipler of my kids for my kids. Right. I want to raise disciples. 
Oh, I love the post-it. It was, I mean, it's Calvin was getting into baseball. He wants to try basketball and stuff. And it was a devotional for dads with kids in sports. And it said, remember, you're called to raise disciples of Jesus, not uh, D1 athletes. If they become that, that's fine. Right. But it should, it, it, the underline of all of that is a disciple of right. Jesus. And when they become a D1 athlete, yep. their faith hasn't changed. Nope. It shouldn't. If we've done our job at home and, right. and at, if we've done our job as a church, their faith hasn't changed. Their conviction on their hearts has not changed. Mm. Um, and that I, I would say that was that that has been the one thing that keeps coming up on my on my heart. And even in the Word, when I when I read, I just finished the book of Jeremiah, and um, just so powerful to see the prophet Jeremiah go through all these ebbs and flows of just being put in jail because of what he was saying. And yet he never faltered. Mm. He never faltered. Our the call on the Christian's life has not faltered, has mm. not changed. It is still the same. Um, so yeah, that's I don't know. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good last word. Good last word, maybe. Yeah, there you go. I, I don't know. So that's yeah, probably, that, uh, that's where we are. That's that's probably all we got time for right now. But thanks for coming in, man. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. I hope that was encouraging and challenging for you. As always, you can find more resources and conversations on our website, gofirstyouth.com, and on Instagram, gofirstyouth. And we'll see you next time.